All right. Merry Christmas. I am really glad that you're here today. I was, uh, I was reading a news article yesterday, and, uh, and I'm not saying this in any judgment at all, so please, please know that. Uh, but it was something like, like 35 to 40% of churches were not having services today. And, and what they had done is they had done like a Christmas Eve service or something like that, and it dismissed Sunday. And, uh, and I know in some ways that'd be easier, right? You know, because we all have our traditions and things. But I don't know, to come and to worship and to gather together on Christmas Day, I think there's something really powerful about that. You know, this is uh, called in our culture a holiday. And I don't know if you're aware of this, it'll make sense when you hear it, but that actually comes from the phrase a holy day. And this is a holy day when we remember the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad you're here today. A uh, little bit of uh, trivia. Do you know how many years it'll be? Austin, you can't answer. Do you know how many years it will be till the next Christmas falls on a Sunday? 11 years. It'll be 11 years uh, until this happens again. So there's a cycle that goes on. Uh, but we get to do it today. And I think there's just something so... So refreshing uh, about that. Well, a couple things before we dive in today. One, if you're our guest today, just want to welcome you here. Uh, I know if you are our guest, there's a high probability that some people in your family said, no, you're coming with me to church today. And uh, and you're here. And we just want to say welcome. And uh, this may be a different kind of situation or circumstance for you, but I hope you'll just take a deep breath today, sit back and just enjoy this time and know that God truly loves you more than you can imagine. And he has purpose for your life. And I hope you experience that today. But as our guest, out in our lobby, we have a place called Starting Point. You'll see it kind of right in the middle by the tree. And uh, you can just stop by there. We'd love to answer any questions you might have. Just even give us a chance to say hi. And uh, we have a little gift for you as well. So, uh, so make sure you do that. Also want to remind you, next week... Uh, it always falls this way. Christmas and New Year's are always exactly one week apart. Have you guys figured that out yet? That's how it works. So next Sunday is New Year's Day, and we will be having services 9 and 1030. Uh, and it will also be family. So I know many of you are in here with your kids. Uh, next Sunday, we will not have our, our kids' classes or nursery as well. We're making those all family uh, to give our staff some time, but also to gather together fully as a family. The week after that, all of our kids' stuff and student stuff will, will continue on. So I'd uh, love to have you be a part of that. Well, right now we're going to pause and we're going to receive our offering as we come to the end of the year. This is our chance to, to establish some new habits and some new rhythms to respond in obedience and faith. And so there's different ways you can give. One is online. That's how uh, in our family we choose to give. There's also black boxes by the door. But you'll also see at the end of your row a little bucket there. So if you want to grab that and just hand it down your row, uh, we can receive that. And know that as you give, uh, God, it puts you in a place to receive God's blessings in a different kind of way. And so I know you're going to continue to do that, but let me just pray over this. Father, thank you for all that you give us, the good gifts, the gift of your son that we celebrate this day. But Lord, we also think of a thousand other things that you provide in our lives and you give us the opportunity to respond back to you. So we thank you for that. And as we give, Lord, I pray you would take our gift, uh, our gift of faithfulness and obedience, and you would multiply it in ways that only you can do. 
We just love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been praying for two things uh, for today. One is that this holy moment today would, would capture the heart of Christmas for us. That's been my number one prayer. My second prayer, that's been a little more immediate, is that I wouldn't cough during the message today. I've got one, I'm not sick, I just have one of those coughs that keeps lingering. So if you see me quickly uh, grabbing my, my belt pack here to turn it off, it's because I have a cough. All right, so we have kids in here today, right? Where are all the kids at? Woo, all right, some of you. So I was thinking about this, and because uh, I know if, if you're bringing your kids today, they're thinking, oh man, and you got one of those packs by the door, and so maybe they're coloring and stuff, uh, but you're thinking, do I have to actually sit and listen to Pastor Dave? Some of you adults are thinking the same thing, but... Uh, <laughs> But what I wanted to do today to start with is uh, I'm going to read you a Christmas story, all right? And you're going to actually see the pages to the storybook up here on the screen. And this book is called The Tale of Three Trees. And so I want you just to sit back for a moment. I want you just to imagine that there's, you know, a fire in the fireplace up here. There's no fireplace, but imagine that there's there. And we're sitting around cozy and we're going to read uh, this Christmas book. So here's what it says. Once upon a mountaintop, three little trees stood and dreamed of what they wanted to become when they grew up. The first little tree looked up at the stars twinkling like diamonds above him. I want to be, I want to hold treasure, he said, and I want to be covered with gold and filled with precious stones. I will be the most beautiful treasure chest in the entire world. The second little tree looked out at the small stream trickling by on its way to the ocean and said, I want to be a strong sailing ship. I want to travel mighty waters and carry powerful kings. I will be the strongest ship in the world. And the third little tree looked down into the valley below where busy men and busy women worked in a busy town. And he said, I don't want to leave this mountaintop at all, she said. I want to grow so tall that when people stop to look at me, they will raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I will be the tallest tree in the world. Well, years passed and the rains came and the sun shone and the little trees grew tall. And one day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter looked at the first tree and said, this tree is beautiful. It's perfect for me. And with a swoop of his shining axe, the fine tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest, thought that tree. I shall hold wonderful treasure. The second woodcutter looked at the second tree and said, this tree is strong. It's perfect for me. And with a swoop of his shining axe, the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, thought the second tree. I shall be a strong ship, fit for kings. The third tree felt her heart sink when the last woodcutter looked her way. She stood straight and tall and pointed bravely to heaven. But the woodcutter never even looked up. Any kind of tree will do for me, he muttered. And with a swoop of his shining axe, the third tree fell. The first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter brought him into the carpenter's shop, but the busy carpenter was not thinking about treasure chests. Instead, his work-worn hands fashioned the tree 
into a feed box for animals. And the once beautiful tree was not covered with gold or filled with treasure. He was coated with sawdust and filled with hay for hungry farm animals. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took him to a shipyard, but no mighty sailing ships were being made that day. Instead, the one strong tree was hammered and sawed into a simple fishing boat. Too small and too weak to sail an ocean or even a river, he was taken to a little lake, and every day he brought in loads of dead, smelly fish. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumber yard. What happened, the once tall tree wondered. All he ever wanted to do was stay on the mountaintop and point to God. Many, many days and nights passed and the three trees nearly forgot their dreams. But one night, golden starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed her newborn baby in the feed box. I wish I could make a cradle for him, her husband whispered. And the mother squeezed his hand and smiled as the starlight shone on the smooth and sturdy wood. This manger is beautiful, she said. And suddenly, the first tree knew he was holding the greatest treasure in the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friends crowded into the old fishing boat, and the traveler fell asleep as the second tree quietly sailed out into the lake. Soon, a thundering and thrashing storm arose, and the little tree shuddered. He knew he didn't have the strength to carry so many passengers safely through the wind and the rain. The tired man awakened. He stood up, stretched, stretched out his hand, and said, peace. And the storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. And suddenly... The second tree knew he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was startled when her beams were yanked from the forgotten woodpile, and she flinched as, this, as she was carried through an angry, jeering crowd. She shuddered when soldiers nailed a man's hand to her, and she felt ugly and harsh and cruel. But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy beneath her, the third tree knew that God's love had changed everything. It had made the first tree beautiful. It had made the second tree strong. And every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of God. And that was better than being the tallest tree in the world. Cool story, huh? <laughs> Thank you. We got that book a long time ago for uh, our kids and our family. We, we kind of collected those Christmas books. And what we love about that story is obviously the connection it makes, not just about trees having dreams. By the way, trees don't have dreams. But anyway, uh, this unmistakable connection between Christmas that we celebrate today, this precious holy day when we think about God's son coming to earth, and this indelible connection to Easter which was the reason that he came. And when you look at that, you can't have Easter, the sacrifice of love for us on the cross, without him coming. You, you have to have that. But if there's no Easter, then it's just another being, you know, baby being born in some small town that no one would ever know or remember. But there is this connection, and there is a coming, a Christmas, and there is an Easter and the perfect sacrifice. And that's the gift of good news 
that we celebrate today. All through this month, we've been talking about, you know, the gift and the gift and the gift. And today it's this gift of the most amazing news ever, that God has come for us. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Luke 2. And I know we've been through this uh, multiple times through the month. This is kind of one of the classic Christmas passages. And I'm going to read most of it today so that we can kind of once again, on, on the day, hear the story. So I'm going to start in a couple verses in. It says, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, this time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Do you realize that those verses, that that passage there and what that means actually makes everything else in the Bible possible? Because Jesus came, hope exists. And forgiveness is complete and grace is extended. Love is lived. Healing is possible. And miracles can happen. And that is the good news. In fact, it's the best news ever that Jesus has come. And again, I just want to say I'm, I'm really glad that you're here today. And whether you've been at New Life for years or whether today is the very first time, we're going to celebrate this holy day of Christmas. And today you get to hear about how God came to earth and to bring this good news that a savior, a rescuer, Jesus has come. And that's what Christmas is all about. The good news that he's come. So I'm going to give you just a couple things. If you have a note-taking sheet, you can, you can write this down. The first is this. The good news is that a new beginning is possible. A new beginning is possible. So I'm not going to have you back up, but we were there in Luke chapter 2. If you were to go to Luke chapter 1, you would actually get a little bit more of Mary's backstory. And you see kind of where she came from and the situation that she was in. And there was this time after the angel had come that 
her relative named Elizabeth uh, was pregnant as well. The cough is trying to get in there. Mm, thank you. I heard that over there. <laughs> So, <clears throat> thank you for your patience today. I really appreciate it. Uh, so Elizabeth is a relative of hers, and she's pregnant as well, and she's actually carrying what we will come to know as John the Baptist. And her and her husband are having this kind of, uh, not a huge conflict, but among the people, you would name your firstborn son after the father. And so there's this kind of challenge there, and he's going to name him John, which is what the angel told him. And at the very end, John, uh, uh, Zechariah, the father, uh, kind of does this prophetic word. He speaks from the Lord. And he's talking about his son that is coming. And here's what he says. He says, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. He says, this is, this is coming in Jesus. A chance for, for a new beginning, a new path. See, there was a problem for each of us when we were born. We came out less than perfect. And I'm not talking physically. There was a broken relationship between us and God because of sin. And that sin kind of creates that gulf there. But God didn't leave us hopeless in that. He came to bring us hope through his son. In Romans 3, Paul wrote this, for all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. There's actually a payment for the sin and the separation in us. Someone has to pay that price and someone has to bridge the gap. But the problem is, is that the payment is perfection and sacrifice. And it's like, we don't even have the currency to pay that bill. We can't be good enough. We can't work hard enough. We, we think that that will get us there. In fact, that's what all of us have done at some point. We're trying to be good enough, trying to, trying to be faithful enough, trying to put all those things together. But it's actually not the currency that's used to pay that bill. How many of you have been crazy enough to go to Costco in the last week or two? <laughs> Some of you don't want to shake my hand afterwards. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, went to, I went to Costco one day, and it is, it is nuts there. And the lines are crazy, and they're way back. Can you imagine having a cart full of, you know, things and you look in front of you and someone has this cart? I mean, it's jam-packed. And so you're waiting and you're waiting and they, they do it all through. They do the scanners. And so you're in a hurry and so you find yourself getting a little impatient. You're trying to tamp it down and go, okay, I can deal with it. It's Christmas. Just kind of relax a little bit. And then you watch the person in front of you and they pull out their wallet and they pull out Monopoly money. And you're going... You have got to be kidding. It's like, what's going on? And the person's going, we don't, we don't accept that here. I mean, can you imagine how you'd feel about that? It'd be like, that, that's not money. That, that's play money. 
Well, here's what happens is we try to pay our bill spiritually by being good enough. We think that's the currency that will do it, and it doesn't. The Bible tells us again and again that the only currency that can pay the bill of our sin is perfection. And that's what Jesus came to be. He came to pay that bill for us. And the good news is that you and I can be forgiven. That forgiveness is ours for the asking. Jesus says it's already been paid. The debt's been canceled. The question is, will you accept it? And I know we sometimes sit and go, but Dave, you don't know what I've done and you don't know where I've been and you don't know the things that have been a part of my life and that you don't know the secrets that I carry. And you're right. But God says that it doesn't matter how deep or dark or secret or ugly or evil your sin is because we've all messed up. But Jesus says forgiveness is yours, the slate wiped clean. Remember I told you that last week, my grandson has that little board, you can write on it, press the button, it disappears. He says, you can have a clean slate in Jesus. Write this down for number two. The good news is that his presence changes everything. In verse 10 of Luke 2 that we just read, it says, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. When Jesus came, Everything changed, and this is not just 2,000 years ago, but here now. And one of the gifts he brought us, and we talked about this over these past few weeks, things like hope and things like grace and things like love, and last week we looked at joy. And we know that joy and this sense of happiness are all tied together. Happiness is like joy leaking from the inside to the outside, and the Bible says we've been given some of the greatest news ever, and it's good news of great joy. Regardless of what you might think, God is not an angry old man sitting up in heaven frowning about everything that you do. Sometimes it seems like the most miserable place in the world is church on a Sunday morning. And I hope that's not the case here. I don't think it is. But you know, in some places it's just like, wow. It's like you made a wrong turn somewhere and you ended up in the principal's office. That's what it feels like. Sorry for any principals out there, you know. It's, but it's true. That's sometimes how it feels. It's this place of guilt and shame and all those things. And God is, is inviting us into something else. But these angels said that those who follow God would experience something different. And when we come here together, we can celebrate because we know we have an incredible, awesome, loving, kind God. And we've been rescued and forgiven and we've been given purpose and hope. But what about when things are bad? What about when life kind of starts going sideways on us and starts to hit us and take us out a little bit? Some of you, I know, right now are going through a really difficult time and the thought of joy and smiles seems a little hard and a little far-fetched. Well, here's the thing about joy. It's not laughing about the fact that I lost my job or I got a scary diagnosis. The joy is that the presence of God is in my life and I know that whatever happens, I belong to him. Whatever happens, I've been forgiven and set free. Whatever happens, I've been created with a purpose. Whatever happens, this life is not all that there is and God has prepared a place for me in eternity. The last thing is this, write it down. The good news is that it's for everyone, for everyone. 
Verse 14 in Luke 2 says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. Verse 10 says, to everyone. Verse 14 says, to all. The good news isn't just for an elite few. The good news of life and hope and reconciliation to God is given to everyone. And that's what Christmas really, we, we capture that. In Jesus' life, he reached out to the, to the poor and to the rich. He made room for fishermen and royalty. He cared for the outcasts and the lost and the forgotten. So I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter what color your skin is or how much money you have or what your education is or the mistakes you've made. You've been offered an incredible gift of life and forgiveness and joy. The good news for everyone, not just a few. Jesus gave us all this and then he tells us to share it with those around. I have a good friend, Leona, and she's gonna make her way up here and she's gonna share a poem that she wrote called The Chosen One. But as she comes, uh, I wanna just read you Jesus' words in Mark 16. He said, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and to all. Leona has been um, a long time, what would, what would we call you? A long time, um, kind of foundation here at New Life. And uh, she is just a beautiful lady. She's got an amazing story that she's not gonna share with you today. Just the poem, right? <laughs> I would have to remind her of that. Um, but this past year, um, Leona was diagnosed with cancer and she lost part of her tongue. Yeah. And has been in recovery and therapy from that. And, but she is a writer and a poet, and so I asked her to come and to share this today. Are we on there? Oh, I grabbed the wrong one, didn't I? Oh, here we go. They told me the blue one, and here I go grab the red one. Okay. <laughs> We, we could do like a whole comedy routine here, you and me. Maybe I should just yell it out. <laughs> it's Christmas, right? Yeah. Okay, there you go, Leona. I have gone through some things, but nobody here is more blessed than I am. I learned to know the Lord when I was really young, and then... Um, learned to know him a lot better when I was about 30. And uh, I love writing because there's no better topic than to write about Jesus. This poem is called The Chosen One. <clears throat> so long they had looked and waited, hoping, praying he would come, but they hadn't expected the baby, the long for Messiah, the chosen one. He had grown up there among them, just the boy from the carpenter shop. His brothers grew up alongside him, but truly they knew him not. And soon he became a teacher that multitudes came to hear. Some listened with contemplation, while others would mock and jeer. 
Yet the words he spoke with such wisdom brought healing and hope and good cheer. Soon many begin to whisper, is it possible this is the one? He caught the attention of the Pharisees by his claim to be God's son. Soon the religious leaders of Israel and the scribes who studied the law wondered how could this upstart from Nazareth possess all the wisdom they saw. So they looked for a way to silence him and to get him out of the way. He just didn't fit into their plans. Somehow they must put him away. And so the evil scheme was planned and Judas, who hankered for gold, was offered 30 pieces of silver and for this the Messiah was sold. The Holy One of Israel, the Lamb of God was he, would give his life in anguish nailed to a wooden tree. The Chosen One, God's only Son, was offered for you and me. He took our sins upon himself so that we could be set free. Oh, let us now honor this gift of grace, God's sacred redemption plan, by giving our all to follow him, by loving our fellow men. For surely, Jesus is worthy. Our homage to him we bring. We fall on our knees before him, our Savior, our Lord, and our King. Blessings to you. Thank you. Would you get out your communion you got when you came in? Our normal rhythm here is that we uh, join together in communion on the first weekend of the month. Nothing special about that first weekend, that's just kind of been the pattern that we've lived in. And a couple weeks ago as I was planning and writing, I thought, you know, Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday very often. And what better way to celebrate this holy day and our Savior than to remember why he came and to receive communion together. So if you would take out the bread. Thirty-some years after that Bethlehem experience and the shepherds and the angels that had come, Jesus had grown and he had obviously been a teacher and a rabbi and he had shown us God's heart and God's character. He had done healing. He had raised people from the dead. He had shown us so much. And yet, as Leona shared in that poem, they schemed for a way to end this. Scared of what he was really bringing. And on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gathered with his followers and he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Let's break and eat together.
And then Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of a new covenant. The blood to restore us to our heavenly father for the forgiveness of sin. Let's drink together. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the gift. And we think of the gifts of grace and of love and of joy, the hope that you bring, the forgiveness that you offer. But but Lord, we also recognize those are all tied up in the greatest gift ever, the gift you gave of your son. And so on this Christmas day, Lord, we celebrate you We're grateful to you. We honor you and we bless you today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you just sing this chorus as we close today? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us. Which one did you want to sing? What? What? Which one did you want to sing? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. Have a merry Christmas. God bless.